He's Adam Maris. Did I pronounce that right, by the way? Not even close. It's all right. Adam Maris. Oh, oh, oh my God. I, 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 don't I, care. I also don't care. It's fine. What is it? How do you pronounce Marez. the last name? Maris. What is it? Roll, roll your R's. Like, really roll. No, I'm just kidding. It's Maris, though. Maris. Okay. Is that Spanish? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Adam Maris. And I am Cyrus Sotsis, <laughs> which is so much easier. <laughs> We're doing a locked on crossover show today. It's locked on Nuggets, locked on Warriors. Adam, first things first, man. How are the Nuggets? How is the Nuggets fan base feeling mm. about this series? Because Dub Nation is brimming with confidence right now. <laughs> are they delusional? How are the Nuggets fans feeling? Um, this has been the weirdest season, Cyrus. Like, so the Nuggets have, um, you know, all year it's been just hold things together long enough for Jamal Murray to get back and, and Michael Porter yeah. as well. And here we are at the playoffs. I think everybody expected that to happen around the all-star break or a little bit after, you know, or things went really bad mid-March, you know, here we are mid-April and they're still not back. So I think Nuggets fans have this sort of deflated sense and that the season wasn't quite what they expected it to be with more hope and like, okay, reinforcements are on the way. And then heading into the series, you know, it's a mixed bag. Some people look at it and say, hey, the Warriors are also beat up and haven't played together. And maybe they're off to a slow start and Denver can steal here or there. But I don't think anybody, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe the fan base as brimming with confidence though. That's not, that's okay. not a phrase I would use. That's fair. Well, what, what, what's the story with Jamal Murray, man? I'm, I'm hearing a lot of news leak out. I think your team president uh, kind of was yeah. kind of in a bold manner, just kind of said he could play. Um, what's yeah. the reality of the situation here? And like, do you, ex even if he plays, do you expect him to contribute uh, significant minutes? Uh, I don't expect him to play. I think there's always a chance and it depends on how the series goes. I, I would lean towards, and there's no, I don't have any Intel on this. It's just my sort of feeling on it is if Denver got off to an early lead in the series, an, even maybe an unlikely one later on in the series, he might be emboldened to come back. Uh, if Denver gets behind, then probably he, he probably is less likely, but you know, the thing that's been weird here is that the reports have been very slow to come by, but as information has trickled out, we're coming to the realization that he's probably been physically cleared, meaning like MRIs have showed like everything's looking good. Muscles are looking good. Okay. The risk is somewhat low, but that Jamal himself has, um, it, it sounds like has been slow to come back and just, Hey, I'm not feeling great. When I play, I don't feel right. I don't want to risk. And I've even been heard through the grapevine that maybe there was a conversation with Clay Thompson, or maybe even just looking at the Clay Thompson situation and thinking, you know, coming back, there's an upside to it. Denver becomes a better team, but the downside is pretty massive that a one year mm -hmm. injury can turn into a two or three year injury if, if things go wrong. So I think a lot of this is just waiting on Jamal to sort of say, Hey, I feel good enough and I'm ready to come back with confidence. And right now he just doesn't feel that. Yeah. And I'm with you, man. I, I you know, as an, as an outsider, uh, hopefully I can provide objective perspective on this. I would not rush him back. I mean, and and yeah. Clay was rushed back. I mean, I mean, he was he was a year removed from that ACL injury, and I don't know if you remember the, the start of a, a season ago when they suddenly were like rushing the start of it. I mean, this was still fresh from the pandemic, and Clay was really trying to get a, a, a you know regular season ready in a hurry. He was playing pickup right. games, and then the Achilles blew out, and and right. the, the fan base was devastated. So I totally understand because the reality is. And, and to correct me if I'm wrong, but even if Jamal Murray does come back for this series, he's not going to be the same Jamal Murray. There's just no way you can replicate in-game experience from a conditioning perspective, from a timing right. perspective. I, I, I don't know. Do you agree with that? Oh, a thousand percent. I mean, I've watched him work out and he looks quick. There was a time two months ago when you would watch these workouts. He looked a little 
overweight, you know, not fat, just like didn't look like he was cut ready for, for NBA basketball, but he's lost a lot of that weight. He looks quick. He looks really good in his, you know, one-on-one workouts against the Nuggets training staff. But there's such a big difference to your point about beating up on Nuggets trainers versus going up against Draymond Green and having an impact there. And more importantly, I would say on the defensive end, like Jamal Murray's a great offensive player and offense. It's so hard to guard in today's NBA that I think Murray could walk in and probably knock down some shots. But could he run through screens and guard Clay Thompson and Steph Curry? Like, you're not talking about an easy assignment out the gate if he were to return in the series. I hear you, man. How how are the what are, how, how do the Nuggets look at the Warriors? I'm curious about that perspective because we look at them in our way, man. This is a, a right. former dynasty who's trying to reclaim the glory. The big three still there. Andre Iguodala, in my opinion, remains vastly underrated in this big picture in terms of his on-court impact. Sure. Uh, he's been criticized for missing the whole year, but now all of a sudden, what he does that because it's the playoffs. It's a season that really counts. Well, how are the Nuggets feeling about the Warriors? I can't speak for the Nuggets themselves. You know, just in in talking with them, Michael Malone framed the conversation as he believes the series will go to the team that makes the fewest mistakes. I think the hmm. Nuggets and Warriors are very similar in one way. They turn the ball over a lot. Uh, they, they pass the ball extremely well. They're probably two of the best passing teams in all of the NBA. But the expense is sometimes that passing gets a little fast and loose, and both teams lose games because of that. You know, they get a little yeah. too sloppy. They get a little too fast and loose. So um, I think they look at it, and they're just looking at the margins and saying, hey, small ball versus big ball. You know, there's some interesting stylistic fights. But just me, how I look at the Warriors, I think the Warriors were on track to win the title this year. All the way up until Draymond Green's injury. It was when Clay Thompson came back and Draymond Green, you know, obviously exited at the exact same moment. In fact, I know yep. he played that, that 10 seconds and then checked out. Um, that was when I think things turned because as great as that team is, and as much as they have years of playoff experience under their belt, I still think that you need a lot of chemistry and this team still has to figure a lot of things out. So are they good enough to beat Denver? Probably. I mean, Denver's, Denver's so shorthanded right now. They're very weak. But are they good enough to go up against the Suns and the Bucks and, and some of those top teams? They really have to learn a lot over the first round or two before they get to their big challenges. And um, I looked at, I think, 11 minutes total this season between Steph yeah, and I said Draymond. I said 14 on my show yesterday. I was incorrect. It was 11. Yes, yeah. I, just, I was spitballing. But yeah. So that's the thing where if those three guys had, you know, 400 minutes under their belt, I'd be like, okay, there it is. That's the team. They got it together. But the fact that it's so little – Maybe it clicks right away. I just, I, I have a hard time seeing it. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Rose echoed very similar sentiments on his show yesterday. And then his his uh, his partner in crime, uh, Jacoby, who I'm not super familiar with. I see them on ESPN, but he flat out picked your team to win the series. <laughs> and I was, I was just really blown away at that. Uh, yeah. But here's here's my rebuttal, because I heard that from, from Jalen Rose, and I'm hearing that from you now. I would say under normal circumstances, that is a very valid concern for most teams, but these three have played so much together. I mean, they've been through so many wars together. They won. They went to five straight NBA Finals, won three titles together. That if there's a trio, if there's any trio of players in the NBA that I would not be concerned about in terms of regaining timing, regaining chemistry and rhythm, it's those three. I, I don't have any concern that when Steph comes back that they're going to be like, oh, I forgot how we play together. Um, to, to put it in perspective, when Draymond Green's first game back, after being away for, for over two months, first major injury of his entire career, he comes back and Steph has one of the biggest games of the entire season because that's how right. comfortable those two are together. And they had to play together in, in two plus months. Um, right. I could see from the outsider's perspective that argument, and I get it. But 
from at least someone who's covering this team consistently, I, I, I do not see that as a worry. And it does surprise me that people forget that they've played nearly 10 years together, you know, well, and, Denver, and they've been through the same situation here. All seasons. Yeah, the same situation is here with Jamal and Yoke, right? I mean, they've been through so many playoff series. They've been through, I think, four game sevens together. Like, they've gone through a lot of battles and come out really, really well. So you could make the same argument. But I do think there's just something to the chemistry. And then I think, I'm sure we'll get into this, I think the best lineup that the Warriors are going to have in this run is going to feature Draymond at the five, Andrew Wiggins at the four, Jordan Poole in the, the lineup with Clay and Steph. I think yes. that's going to be their best lineup. And that's a lineup that hasn't played together. You're talking about two new pieces. So the big three, still the same. But Poole and Wiggins are very different than Barnes and Iguodala and some of the other pieces that have fit in there. So again, I'm with you in the big picture of this. I think this team is a winner. Like Especially when you start talking about Kaminga and Moody and, and some of the pieces in the coming years that are going to really step into the, the, the spotlight. But I think that um, who, what their best punch is going to be is going to take a little bit more refinement, even if those three know exactly who they are. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I don't know if on paper, you're absolutely correct that Andrew Wiggins is the fifth piece. I don't know if that's locked in stone. I think that's really situational. I think of Wiggins, who does not have a lot of playoff experience. Um, yeah. I think he had that one series with the Timberwolves where he did not play great. Um, I don't know if he's he's set in stone. I, I honestly think that Otto Porter Jr. has an yeah. equal opportunity to close out games. I think if Kaminga is playing to his potential, he's a rookie, so Kerr is really keeping it tight to his chest. I asked him yesterday, uh, I asked Steve Kerr, what can we expect from, from Kaminga, and can he tell us like how many minutes he's going to play? Uh, he had answered an earlier question about whether or not Kaminga is even going to play, and Kerr responded with, potentially. Uh, and then when I asked about the minutes and if he would reveal how many, he said, no. So I, he's keeping it incredibly close to chest, rightfully so. It's the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but I think – we like, I, I look, Dub Nation does not have a lot of faith in Wiggins. Really? I think rightfully so. I don't think he's going to be part of this team after this year. And if it's not wow. this year, he's going to be gone after next year. Um yeah, it's interesting, man. I mean, I, it's, Wiggins. Wow. Well, it's safe to say it's the worst all-star selection in NBA history, right? I mean, that's a that's not a bold take. It's just there was no one else. K-pop yeah. kind of stepped in. Yeah. Um, would you agree with that? I don't know. I mean, that's that's I don't know about worst worst, but I mean, he was having a really good first half of the season, and there were a lot of players that missed. I mean, I this season's been so long, Cyrus, that we forget all the weird little iterations of it. We forget that the first two months of the season, like half the NBA was in protocols. We just forget that yep. that was that was this season. It feels like it was a different one, but it was this one. So he was. You're right that he he probably wouldn't have made it if everybody was healthy. But hey, that's how it broke out. Well, let me ask you this, Adam. Uh, who who is worst in your recent memory or in any memory in terms of an all star starter? Man, I'd have to go through as a starter. You're right. The starter part of that is really is really something. I, yeah, you'd have and I'm to saying this is like a Warriors Kobe fan. I love the team, and, and but he, it's just dude Wiggins. Yeah. I, I I love him, man. He's a part of this team, but I don't see it with the money he's commanding. Well, the money it wouldn't surprise sure. me if he was traded this offseason. I'm hearing a lot of weird rumors. Uh, let's talk about a sponsor that that has been loving both our programs for a long time. That's Bet Online. Uh, they're your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. Um, and Jimmy Shapiro of Bet Online, who emails us some great numbers. He sets the line currently right now, the Nuggets-Warriors. Uh, it opened with the Warriors minus 195 as the favorites. That has grown to minus 220. So people are putting money on the Warriors. The Nuggets are plus 190. If you're a betting man, Adam, maybe you are. We, this is the first time we're meeting with each other. I'm a betting man. I like to have some fun. What are your, what are your, what's your take on those odds? What are you thinking? Man, I don't... <laughs> 
<laughs> I just don't love them. Like for Denver, like for me, I'm always looking at it. I'm just like, I don't know, man. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take Yoke really being something special. Yeah, we could be. I mean, he's going to probably win MVP, and, and that's a two-time MVP there. But you're right, dude. It's it's going to take a lot from him. Well, find all your latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Who are your three-point threats, Adam? Like, who do the Nuggets have that can burn the Warriors from the outside? I know the obvious answer is uh, uh, Amante Morris, but but who do they who do they really have that can really light it up and put on points besides Jokic? So Denver doesn't have any elite three-point. I mean, they're two elite three-point shooters. They do have two. They have Michael Porter Jr., who I think is probably a top five pure shooter in the NBA. I mean, that's his one. That's his one skill. Is he's six foot ten, Clay Thompson. Um, but so he, but he, obviously him being out, then Jamal Murray. So you look at it, Monte Morris is very reliable. He's not going to create three point shots, but he's going to make open three point shots. Uh, and he can shoot in the mid range off the dribble. Will Barton is a streaky one. Then, then you get into the rest of the Nuggets who all have that some good shooting. They're not bad shooters, they're not leave them open guys, but they're also not run them off the line at all costs guys. You got Will Barton who can get hot, he'll it makes one or two, he's going to make three or four. You've got uh, Jeff Green, who can knock him down. Aaron Gordon, who can knock him down. Bones Highland, who's an elite deep three-point shooter. He's almost better from deep threes than he is from, from you know just regular threes. Hmm. And then you've got Austin Rivers, who is probably the single streakiest shooter. I think he's a 33% three-point shooter, and he never shoots 33%. He shoots 100% or 0%. <laughs> and uh, so, so then, and then, of course, you have – here's the funny one is you have Jokic, who is going to have to do everything – if yes. you look at his regular season three-point shooting throughout his career, I think it's 36%, something like that. You look at his postseason three-point shooting, it's 40%, 40-something percent. So he always sort of locks in from the three-point line in the playoffs. And in this series, he's going to have to average 35 points. The way you get there is by making two or three three-pointers in addition to all the other stuff he does. That's fascinating. I, I didn't I didn't know those three point stats about Jokic, and that's just more respect I have for him. For a player to step it up even more in the postseason tells me he's a gamer. He's mentally tough, dude. I gotta I gotta ask you, uh, what, what happened with Composo, man? I mean, I know he got suspended. What, does he play yeah. anymore? I mean, he's I've always considered him to be like a total pest on the floor, whereas he just somehow always gets clutch steals. I've noticed he makes these crazy passes. Yeah. He's suspended for game one because of that shove. What what's your Composo take, man? He is, um, you know, he is an, a, an annoyance. Like, he he gets under people's skin. I don't yeah. know how much of an impact that stuff had on Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry had some big games against him, although I know my Argentine followers were saying, yeah, to check the numbers, he was, you know, he didn't shoot well against him or whatever. But he's one of those guys that gets, real, gets into players, and if you're a young or struggling ball handler, that probably bothers you. If you're Steph Curry, you probably just laugh at it while you, while you shoot threes in his face. He, he got cut from the rotation. He is this season in raw plus minus. So remember, the Nuggets are 10 games above 500. Compazzo played 1,184 minutes. He is a minus 212. <laughs> so he got cut out of the rotation, you know, two-thirds of the way through the season. He got just cut out. And, it's, and I'm telling you, people do not realize how wild it is that the Nuggets are a positive team with that record when they had a one person, but really a whole bench unit that was not just like a minus two, a minus three per game. They were like a minus 12 per game. Uh, <laughs> and he was leading the charge there. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 
<clears throat> excuse me, those, those are just crazy numbers. I mean, I, I always I always take plus minus with a grain of salt. I, I value it as sure. part of the whole picture, but that's a big number, man. That's what it's that extreme. It's just crazy. It's that insane. Is a, for, a, for, a, for a winning team to have a player like that, it's pretty remarkable. <laughs> That's insane, man. Uh, what's your case for Jokic for MVP, dude? I, it looks like he's, he's going to win it, but there's a lot of there's a huge contingent for Joel Embiid. I actually personally came out and thought Giannis should should earn it. I just two years in a row is a lot. The sixth seed is a lot. I'm not a, a, upset if Jokic wins it. I mean, he's the, the top ten in points, rebounds, assists is absurd. But uh, what's your case for Jokic being MVP? And do you believe he should be MVP? I do. Of course, I'm biased here being in Denver. The thing that people talk about with the like the six seed thing to me, it's one of those like this is the way we've always done it. But I always wonder, like, is that is that fair? Should like should we have always done it that way or have we actually been a little bit simplistic in our analysis of this? And I think this year provided the perfect example because everybody looks at that Phoenix Suns team and thinks, okay, that's the best team. Who's the best player? Yeah, but that team has so many good players that you take one out and they you take Chris Paul out, they kept winning. They took Devin Booker out, they kept winning. They took DeAndre Ayton out, they kept winning. Clearly, there's something there that they were so, that they're really good. My argument for Yoke is that there's nobody in the NBA, and I include Luca and I include Giannis, that does as much for their team on the offensive end. The Nuggets, he sets the table, and you'll see this is you know obviously in the film and as they go to play. He sets the table for every single possession, not because he wants to, because he has to. Without Jamal Murray, their other creator. Every single possession has his fingerprints all over it. Yep. And this is why the numbers bear it out, obviously, in the counting stats, the points, rebounds, and assists. But here's a crazy one. The Nuggets have this great record, right? They're, you know, this positive record above, above 500. They won three times when he did not win his minutes this year. Three hmm. times. So if he was a minus one in any game, odds are the Nuggets were not winning that game. He had to not just win his minutes. He had to win them by seven, eight, nine, ten points every single game. So when people talk about the record to me, I think, hey, if that's your if that's your gate, you know, that's where, hey, you have to have a certain record or 50 wins or whatever it is, so be it. To me, I look at that and go, the only reason that didn't happen, and the only reason, by the way, it did for the other candidates, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid, is one, their teams won more games when they didn't play, and their mm-hmm. teams won more games when they lost their minutes, which is true for both players. So to me, I understand why people might say that, but I look at it and go, yeah, but Again, you have a composo minus 212 in 1,100 minutes. Like you're literally towing anchors across the finish line. So with that logic, the only reason why um, I just want consistency, man. And I think a lot of people have gripes. And I would 100% support Jokic winning the MVP this year with the Nuggets being the sixth seed. If the same voters who say that acknowledge that Stephen Curry then should have won it last year. Because I feel like the only reason they gave it to Jokic over Curry was the regular season record. The Warriors finished the eighth seed. They did finish six games above 500, which would have been okay and would have made the playoffs in this uh, this year. Um, but he didn't win it, despite the fact that he posted absurd plus minus, led the league in scoring at 32 eclipse a game. That's my only reason. It's like, be consistent. Either give it to Steph last year than Jokic this year, or if you're going to give it to Jokic despite the sixth seed, then why did you not give it to Steph a year ago when the numbers were absurd? I mean, they were arguably the best of his career outside of 2016. Um, but I digress. Uh, well, one thing people don't realize about this because you're talking about the record here, and I just like Denver is 14 games above 500, and yes. the, the, the Warriors last year were six games above 500. Like, correct. So there is, I think, a little like I think everybody looks at a record and thinks there is a line, and for some people that's you got to be 50 wins. For some people, it's you got to be top four, top three seed, whatever it is. I agree with the that there is a line. I that line for me probably goes further than 10 seed. You know, like it's probably somewhere between four, five, six seed for me personally. 
Okay, well, well, the Tennessee thing, he did the votes come in before the play in. Uh, at least they're supposed to. Yeah, they do. And um, so last year, oh, the yeah, Warriors they were the, the eight seed. They were the eight seed. So, so what's your line, I guess? So then what is the line? I don't, it's, it's funny because logically it makes sense that it would be the play in. That it's just hey if you if you made the playoffs then you know that. that you got yourself above this certain threshold. But again, like I think for everybody that line can be different. Maybe yeah. it is fifty wins or what have you. But I do I just there's I, to me when we talk about records, especially last year, Denver was a three seed and was twenty two games I think above five hundred. They were amazing. And, and so six games above five hundred this year fourteen. Like there, there's just levels to that that I think can be factored in. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um. People don't realize this. I lived in Cheyenne, Wyoming for a year, and I come to, to Colorado all the time. One of my best friends lived in Denver. I went to Fort Collins regularly because it was only like 25 miles from the Wyoming border where, where Cheyenne is. People don't realize this, but it's sunny in Denver. You guys, despite yeah. the fact that it snows, you get these crazy, like, uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the hail storms are underrated. People don't talk about those enough where golf ball-sized hail comes down and smashes windows sometimes. But it's sunny. On average, you get what three hundred days of sun a year, right? Yes. Is that accurate? That, that's right. That's correct. That's, that's the like so, the slogan. <laughs> exactly. So one of our sponsors, Shady Rays. I mean, when you talk about sunglasses here in sunny California and in sunny Denver, sunglasses are clutch, and that's why Shady Rays is a great sponsor for both our programs. They're an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of two hundred dollars sunglasses for a fracture fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses well-constructed durable frames and premium high-end finishes also something you won't find anywhere else is shady rays insane protection program shady rays includes lost and broken protection on every pair i mean i don't know about you adam but for me sunglasses i don't spend a lot typically just because in the summer if you're on a boat and they fall in the lake they're gone right, right? i mean yeah. it's easy to lose these things so you spend 100 bucks on a pair of shades and if you lose them that's just an investment that's poof gone forever Shady Rays, though, however, they include lost and protection and, and broken protection on every pair with their insane protection program. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give them a try. And if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, Locked On Nuggets and Locked On Warriors, head to ShadyRays.com and use the code Locked On. To get 50%, that's a big deal, off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. The code, again, is locked on for their best deals of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Ray sunglasses, backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. And thanks for making Locked On Nuggets and Locked On Warriors your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Adam, where's your co-host, man? He founded that Action Network, which I love. Uh, Is he like a contributor for you? Are you like the five-day-a-week guy? How does that work? Uh, We both uh, tag team it together. So Matt Moore, yeah, we we both host the show every day. He's great. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't know what the story is. I wanted to ask him a few questions because I did not know he founded that thing, and I rely on that for sports for sports betting and information. It's great stuff. So Stephen Curry is going to be a game time decision. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. He's going to partake in a scrimmage with the team this afternoon. I doubt the team will reveal what his status will be. Curry keeps it very close to the chest. Mike Malone is similarly. I have respect for both those coaches. You folks have are lucky, in my opinion, having Mike Malone as a coach because you could very easily have someone who is incompetent. I'd say two thirds of NBA coaches 
eh, eh, just don't impress that much in my opinion. I love Mike Malone. I love Steve Kerr. So, so, so Stephen Curry is going to partake in the scrimmage today. Let's say for the sake of argument, Stephen Curry uh, misses game one and game two, or he misses the whole series. Dude, oh, wow. In your opinion, are the Warriors deep enough with Jordan Poole as a starting point guard to still beat your team, or is that maybe a game-breaker? I think it's a game-breaker. I mean, the Nuggets, okay. are, again, if it was the whole series, yeah, I think Denver could then game plan for what's going on there and 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 probably tilt it in their favor. Um, but that's not going to happen. We both know this. I think Steph Curry's yeah. going to be available for game one. The question is, I think the more interesting question now is, what does Steph have? Because if it's mm. an ankle injury – is he 100%? Is he 90%? I mean, what makes Steph so dynamic is obviously his volume three-point shooting and a little bit of pain in an ankle is enough to lower a three-point percentage five, six percent, which is in this series maybe enough to tilt things, you know, in, in the favor. <laughs> the other thing about Steph, though, is he doesn't have to make a single three to have an impact. He just has to run around because nobody's going to be like, hey, he's got a bad ankle. Leave him open. He's fine. So um, so I think I think he's going to play. But if he weren't and if he weren't healthy, it definitely could change the series. So, so are you? Do you feel Clay Thompson is a big enough threat? He, for the first time in his career, he had three straight thirty-point games. He, his yeah. last game of the season, the Warriors finished the season on a five-game losing a winning streak. The Nuggets, I believe, lost three of five. I don't know how much you read into that. I would love your insights on that, in all honesty. But also, how do you feel about Clay? I mean, he's offensively at the peak of his powers. He's finally clicking. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts on those two things? Clay, I mean, it's the same thing I just said with Steph in terms of even if he misses his first 20 shots of the series, nobody is leaving him open. And that's yeah, that's enough. This is what makes the Warriors so great. First of all, is that they can make these shots. But second of all, it's that, hey, don't leave Steph open. Also, don't leave Clay open. And if Jordan pulls out there, don't leave him open either. And Andrew <laughs> Wiggins, you know, contest. Maybe leave him open a little bit, but then run him off the line. Like, you have four guys. I just mentioned Denver and how they're streaky. The Warriors are just at all times. If they're open, don't let that happen. Just like run, the, run as hard as you can to get away from. So, um, I I don't know. So Clay Thompson, he did start to really catch fire. I saw that he's been shooting thirty eight percent since he's been back, or since maybe it's since the All Star break. And it's one of those things where early on you thought, oh, he's struggling, and then you look at the numbers and you're like, wow, struggling for him is thirty eight percent. Struggling for him <laughs> is best shooter Denver would have. Is uh, yeah, that's that's pretty great. Yeah, and, and and those numbers should. If you look at the numbers, say the last month, I think that's more reflective of where he's at, which is which is higher than that overall number. Yep. Um, what's your pick for the series, man? I mean, it's a, it's a seven game series. Uh, let's be pragmatic if possible. What are your thoughts, man? Where's this going to go? So I'm counting on the fact that Steph is probably less than hundred percent on game one. And I'm counting on the fact that the Warriors, even if they get that emotional bump from playing together in first first game of the playoffs or whatever, I think Denver can split on the road. And that mm. split will push the series to Warriors in six. That's fair. Yeah, I, I was saying Warriors in five, but it would not, I'd also say it would not surprise me if he goes six. Um, does it bug you on a personal level, man? I got to ask this. Michael Porter Jr. makes comments that sometimes just make me cringe. Uh, <laughs> how, does, how do you folks in Denver feel when he says things that for this – to put it accurately yet gently goes against science um how does that make you folks feel when he says things like that he said a lot of things man i mean michael porter is a is a i'll tell the story that came from the old man of the three the jj reddick podcast where yes both him and jj reddick grew up in a pretty religious i think somewhat sheltered home michael porter even ex i think excessively so in terms of you know homeschooled and just wasn't around a whole lot of other people and he talks about how 
his dad realized that they were kind of awkward. All of his kids were, were starting to be a little socially awkward. And so okay. he bought an ice cream stand or a snow cone stand and made them work it the whole summer so they'd have to interact with people. To me, that story, I'm like, oh, I get it. Now I get it. Like I see it. That that That's like such an extreme, unique upbringing that some of his, how he engages with the media, things he says, how he engages with his teammates, they're very weird. They're probably not very, it makes him less likable than your average superstar by quite a margin. Um, but you know what? There's been plenty of athletes that have come through Denver. I'm sure plenty yeah. that have come through the Bay that you're like, you know what? I love watching that guy play and hate listening to him talk. <laughs> and that explains so much i that is a great story man thank you for sharing that because i yeah. had no idea but that explains everything i feel like um incredible any questions from you about the warriors before we wrap things up i mean this has been fun well i was interested that you thought that wiggins would would be down is there a player that you think maybe is i think jordan Poole is the x factor in the series i think that he's a great scorer he's had some great games against denver but i think he's also the weak link defensively that if denver can survive the onslaught that the Warriors offensively can provide, uh, he might be the crack in the armor that you say, okay, mm -hmm. that's where Denver's going to attack. But is there any other players that you think is going to be an impact, a name that's going to keep popping up in this series from Golden State? Otto Porter Jr., I think, is yeah, going to make a yep. huge difference for them in the playoffs. Uh, on a more obscure level, a gentleman named Nemanja Bielica. Oh, sure. Um, this Warriors we know our team Serbs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and these are tough gentlemen. These are tough individuals. Uh, Bielitz, the Warriors, as you know, are a very small team. And that's been a huge gripe with this franchise's fan base for the whole year is that they had no contingency plan for James Wiseman, who they were counting right. on. He went down. The team never spent the mid-level exception. We're going, why? I mean, I know that the, the, pay, the payroll is astronomically high, but this franchise also made hundreds upon hundreds of million dollars in profit during the dynasty run simply because – they were on these incredibly cap-friendly deals with the big three. None of them, right. none of their deals really got huge until now. Um, and so the team has decided to save money, which is really weird by the, by their standards because they owe money for Chase Center. They they privately finance this thing. They got money from banks who want payback uh, in return. There's huge interest on that thing. And I hate when sports ownership is compromised financially, but that's in a sense, it seems that's what the Warriors are. Um, so Bielitsa has suddenly taken on a huge role for this team, um, because at six, nine, he is him and Looney are their two biggest guys. So if Bielitsa plays like the Bielitsa of the last month and of 2021, the Warriors are stoked because he yeah. was surprising everyone with his play. If he plays like he did from January through March, the Warriors are in trouble because they need his size. And then there's the big mystery of Jonathan Kaminga. This is, in my opinion, a future superstar in this game. But he's a rookie. He's 19 years old. What kind yeah. of impact is he going to make? I always think back. Uh, I heard. I can't remember where I heard this, but um, Kobe Bryant when he was a rookie, and he was a, he was a, straight out of high school. Uh, he right. might have still been 18, maybe just turned 19 when the playoffs started. He still played in the playoffs his rookie year. They they realized how special he was, and there were some good moments, some bad moments. But he, he had the famous, the famous back to back air balls. Uh, I don't know if you remember. <laughs> yes. this, I think it was. I can't remember what team it was against, but yeah, back-to-back -back air balls his rookie season. It was a high profile. Exactly, but he also had some good moments, and he didn't really shrink in the spotlight. But he made rookie mistakes, and the question is, how much patience will Kerr have with him? Will he play him at all? Um, I think we all want to see him play. We think he's that special, and the Warriors need his size. So those are three names for you. I don't know. What yeah. do you think about those three names I just gave you? Is, does it make you, you flinch? You I mean, do you. Yeah, Bielitz is an interesting one because he's a smart player. He's a good player. He fits into the, what they're doing when they're rolling. He fits right into it. 
Boogie Cousins is so big. I mean, Denver is so huge. Like Jokic yes. is way too big for Kevon Looney, let alone Draymond Green. And then Demarcus Cousins is too big for Bielitsa. So can Denver draw enough fouls? One of the battlegrounds in the series is we haven't seen Draymond go at Jokic in a, in a series, but we haven't actually seen it that often. We've seen little pockets here and there. And of course we saw, I think the most we saw it is in the Kevin Durant era, which come on, like Denver, <laughs> even if you guard Jokic well, when you have that insulation around you, it's different than when you actually, hey, the battleground now is this. Um, so I'm curious to see just, you know, a lot of this is just how good can Jokic be? He's playing his best basketball of his career. Can he draw enough fouls that all of a sudden you've got to go to a Bielitsa more, you got to, or what have you? And then Demarcus Cousins behind him. Demarcus Cousins hasn't been good and defensively very vulnerable to a Bielitsa type spreading. Like Boogie's going to have to be out on the perimeter. He's so uncomfortable there. But the flip side of that is, does Bielitsa keep the ball the ball out of the paint without fouling? Hmm. The answer to that all season for teams has either been yes or no. There's been no shade of gray there. It's either you're fouling the heck out of Boogie and you're getting yourself out of the game or you do a good job and all of a sudden Boogie's taken out of the game. So that's another <laughs> micro battleground of the series. Oh, I, 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 I have nothing but respect for Boogie. I'm, I was happy for you folks that you signed him. I wish the Warriors had re-signed him or at least made an effort. I think Kerr and Cousins have something there behind the scenes. Um, I, think, I, think, I think Cousins and just about every coach he plays for at some Fair. point have something behind the scenes. So, well, Malone's Malone's making it work, and and, and kudos yeah. to him because yeah, you're right. Boogie's not an easily coachable player, but the Warriors needed him, and, and I was I was a little surprised and a little disappointed. I asked Kerr about that directly. So it's funny. I asked Kerr at a press conference, I think in February. Um, I said, "Are you are you going to pursue?" Because at this point, the Wiseman thing, there was no longer a timetable. The Warriors no longer knew when he was going to come back. It was a huge mystery. And so I asked him, like, well, look, given that we no longer know what's going to happen with Wiseman, are you going to pursue a backup big? Because his team needs it. And, um, you know, and and, and he re his reply was, well, I think Kevon Looney is a fine center and ask Bob Myers all personal questions. Well, just a month earlier, he proudly proclaimed publicly that Gary Payne II was signed for the rest of the year, that he was going to be a part of the team. So, he was, so that, so the fact that he avoided it and Kerr is very media savvy, I made me wonder that, and that just added to the yeah. added fuel to the speculation that him and Cousins have something against each other. So I mentioned Cousins. I remember vividly. I did. I brought up Cousins. Like Cousins is available, and Kerr immediately was like, "Ask Bob Myers." I just did not want to touch that. <laughs> it was bizarre, but yeah. anyways, um, should be a fun series. Adam, really nice to meet you, man. I, I saw some of your media you. content. Uh, and I was very impressed. You have this venture, DNVR, which is phenomenal. You started this yourself, and this is in three cities. Is that correct? Yeah, me and a, a couple other partners. But yeah, we we started it three years ago, and we've ventured out since to Phoenix, to Chicago. We have a bar in Denver that we do all of our podcasts from that we own. We host parties, of course, and all of that stuff. So wow, a super unique media company that we hope is the future of, of local media coverage. Wait a second. You own? I did not know that. Where in Denver is the bar? <laughs> the bar's on the corner of Colfax and York, right? I mean, okay. in, in in Denver, um, right by City Park. And yeah, it's a gorgeous 140-year-old building, a gorgeous bar. People remember it as the bank back in the day, the bank bar, which is kind of a famous Denver bar. But we've converted it to the DNVR bar. And it's the number one place in Denver to watch Denver sports. It's really cool. I mean, we're going to have on Saturday – we're probably going to have 450 people uh, packed into a bar that holds 200. So it's going to oh. be a, it's going to be a heck of a time. 
that sounds insanely and that sounds awesome wait uh, yeah. so when did you start this thing because i imagine the pandemic totally messed with your whole business plan and business model like it, when did this start so we, and we started it in september 2019 but we opened up our bar on friday march 13th which if you recall the nba season ended on friday march 11th so our bar literally opened two days before bars were closed for six oh. months how it does that affect you, man? Or, I mean, it sounds like you're still thriving. So th you survived. We survived. It. Yeah, we we survived, and and then and have since thrived. Obviously, enough to expand into two other markets with more coming online this year. So, um, but we went through the salad days for sure. Like like I said, we open never open up a company on March on Friday the thirteenth. That's one of the things. We've done. <laughs> well, look, you're, but you are thriving. The number thirteen. Look, I, I I try to be a logical person in life, but the number thirteen <laughs> is such a weird one, man. I mean, look, hotels don't refuse to. It's Acknowledge it. It's really crazy yeah. to think about that. So I'm with you. I am with you. And all you're doing is giving me fuel for like ideas. I mean, would, would the barriers like support a bar like that? I mean, that sounds amazing. Are you married? Like, does your wife support you <laughs> spending all day at a bar talking sports? I am married. I've got two beautiful kids, seven and five. Um, but yes, I have a very understanding wife. Oh, congrats, dude. That's a huge part of it, man. That's a huge part of it. Behind every great man is a great woman. And and it, sure. I guess kudos to you because that has to be the case if you're pulling off what you're doing. So congratulations, Adam. That sounds amazing. I uh, hope we get to talk again sometime. Uh, yeah, dude. Have a great day, man. It was This was a pleasure.